0: I just said the other day who Pele was. I literally just said it. We just
1: talked about it. Oh, God, love you for thinking I listen to you when you talk. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not laughing. Is it, like, somebody you know? He's the best soccer player in the world. We shared a number. I told you my heart and soul. Shut (gasps) the fuck up. Are you (laughs) kidding I'm thinking that it's like I'm like did you have a pet I didn't know about <laughs> I'm sorry that Pele died I'm sorry He's a Brazilian And a uh, international hero Of mine My condolences Okay I'm sorry I didn't know who Pele was Ugh. I know Boys for Pele It's a great Tori Amos album Okay Welcome
0: to the show, everyone. I don't, I, I, why are you here? Why are you here? You,
1: because you told me to take this job so you didn't have to do one with Steve Tipton. I wasn't (laughs) talking
2: about you. You almost did this
1: podcast with Steve Tipton.
0: (laughs) Oh, Daisy. Daisy's like, what, Ellen? She's so sick of me. Hi, everyone. Welcome to I Think Not. I
1: Think Not.
0: The podcast where Joey Taranto and I, we recap all of your favorite true crime TV shows. Everything from the camp to the... Not, Not so, so cap. <laughs> we need to think of a better tagline. Yeah. But that is what we are doing here. We are hopping around from TV show to TV show, taking your requests. And if you want more of this nonsense of Joey and I squawking, you can get us two times a week. And that is by joining our Patreon. Now, what we're doing on our Patreon now, we are giving you three full bonus episodes. We are also giving you one extra bonus episode a month. Of something that is what we like to call true crime
1: adjacent. Yes. It's a little bit of trash. A little bit of trash. You know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Just ask your exes. Yeah, that's the only reason I've ever had
0: a dating life. But you can find us on the Patreon. There are like a hundred, I don't know, a million episodes from See No Evil, Evil Lives Here, Snapped, Who the Bleep Did I Marry, Pink Collar Crimes, Fear Thy Neighbor, so much stuff. Right now we are smack dab in the middle of Nightmare Next Door.
1: (gasps) Turns out there's some nightmares there next door. There are some nightmares
0: next door, not including the elderly gay man who wants to bed, Joseph. That's for another podcast.
1: Oh, that man sent me, I watered the plants, and he gave me a $500 gift card know, to a restaurant. I know, I
0: know. I, I always say, he doesn't like taking the gifts. I'm like, take the gifts. But you
1: can go to our website and click the Patreon link and voila. And also, if you are already a Patreon member, I know there's some confusion. People are like, do I have to sign up to a new, no. If you are already signed up to our Patreon, once we make the change, you're good. You're golden. You are golden, and we
0: absolutely love it over there. That is where we let our hair down, and we really do love it. But you know what? We love all of you for letting us just squawk into your ear for an hour. I'm shocked y'all are here to listen to it. Honestly, truly. Should we get to the episode? Let's get to the episode. Okay. Today, we are going to a TV show called Unraveled, yep. which is also the pending title of my memoir. <laughs> Could be many things. It's just one of the ones in the Rolodex. But we are talking about Unraveled Season 2, Episode 3, A
1: Beautiful Mind. Which rhymes with my grinder username, A Beautiful Behind.
2: This was a, a crime that rocked our community. I would have never thought in a million years that this was going to happen. It still seems like a nightmare.
3: He must have been just. Dis- Desperately angry, and I can't even imagine what was going through his mind.
0: Right at the tip-top, they say...
4: Sometimes we know what's going on inside someone's head.
0: To which I say, please don't, please don't. No. Do not try to make sense of this... I like you all very much, and I want you to like me. I need you to like me, in fact. But please don't ask to come in here, because if you do, you know I'm going to say yes, because I'm weak. I'm a people pleaser. Listen, I don't know why I know every word to Parents Just Don't Understand by DJ Jazzy, Jeff and the Fresh Prince, but (laughs) I can't remember why I fucking parked my car in a goddamn mall parking lot. I don't know. You don't want in on this. You don't want to know what's inside here. In the
1: words of Enya, can say ellen
0: i you know i let me live and stay out of yeah. my brain you don't stay want to get in my, my brain. brain
1: that's a scab you don't want to pick at
0: yeah i don't know it's it's just like someone going is anybody hear about them? <laughs> can <anyone hear> me? <laughs> and then there's just like a like a gay guy being like i do not fucking live <laughs> that's the three things that happened in joey's mind
4: there's no place 17 year old chris crumb would rather be and sailing on Alcova Lake with his parents.
2: Chris was Jim and Carol's only child, and Chris was a, a real blessing.
1: So here we are in Casper, Wyoming, in the fall of 2004, the year that JoJo's Get Out was released. Mm. Such a good Great. song. Hey, get out, right now.
0: It's the end of you and me.
1: Do you know ah, of course what it, a bop?
0: know is we're in Casper, Wyoming, and not for nothing, it's gorgeous there.
1: Wyoming's beautiful. Do
0: you want to move to Casper, Wyoming? No. Okay, I don't know. I'm just saying we see a reenactment family, and they're on a boat. Do people in Wyoming all have boats? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we've been doing this here life wrong. Like, you know, there's so many pretty (laughs) places. People all across the country with boats.
1: I don't like boats.
0: Top loading washing machines.
1: (laughs) I'll load your top.
0: That's that's (laughs) decadence right there. You gotta... when you got a tap loading washing machine, you know you've made it in life. You guys, we New Yorkers are so easy to please. We're so abused. We have Stockholm syndrome. Listen,
1: my thing is, is that I'm very proud of it right now is my TV frame TV, mm-hmm. and you know I had the original Angels from Kinky Boots came over. We do a Christmas thing every year, and I had a picture up. Right? And they're like, "Is this one of those light up velvet paintings?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, there goes my decadence." No, it's not. It's a TV. Yeah, it's a TV. Hey, Chris, yeah.
2: Want to take the home for a while? I sure do. He was a very good kid. (laughs) Chris was a shy child, but he was a sweet child.
1: We hear about 17-year-old Chris Crum. Now, Chris is an only child and described as a shy kid, but he was a good kid.
0: Yeah, and Mark Crum is here, who is Chris's uncle. Now, obviously, new show, whole list of new experiences we have to experience. Now, this talking head... Handsome older man.
1: Yeah. But they give everybody underlighting. That tall uplet. Yeah. She's
0: uplit. Why? You know that image that it's meant to be like a creepy fantasy, like in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, yes, in the nightmare yes. section. Which don't worry, every part of that scene still rests in my gray matter to assure that I never actually have a good night's sleep. Lodge, lodge, yeah. She, uh... But like all the talking heads are uplit. Yeah, I'm like, is this unravelled or tales from the crypt? Yeah, it's not doing any
1: favors for anyone. I'm like, who who okayed this lighting? Somebody's cousin. Yeah, with a Oof. with a with a grudge. So family friend Mickey says that Chris was a lot like his dad. Jim. Also, she's also uplit. They all are. Yeah. It's really sad. I feel like they didn't know what
0: they signed up for because lighting is everything. There's good lights and there's ugly lights. Because you know what the ugly lights are. What? When 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 you're out at the club and the lights come up.
1: That is scary. And then
0: everyone is like, oh, you're a gargoyle. <laughs> You're not a human being. That's so weird. I have a, you know, I have a kamikaze shot haze, and those lights were doing you many favors. Yeah, you look like
4: the Lady Gremlin. Yeah. Chris gets his warm, easygoing nature from his father, Jim, a well-respected computer science professor.
3: They both just predicted good feelings towards you, and they were just easy
1: to like.
4: But it's the connection he's always had with his mom, Carol, A talented local painter that Chris seems to cherish the most.
1: Family friend Mickey says that Chris was a lot like his dad, Jim, and they both were warm and friendly, very likable. But Chris had a very special connection with his mom, Carol. The two were very close, and in a lot of ways, mom, Carol, understood Chris better than anyone. You know, I talk a lot about my mom. Mm -hmm. And my mom was a shield for me when I was a kid. Like, you know that thing about family... You can talk shit about family. My, I can talk shit about my family, but you talk shit about my family and I'll rip your fucking head off. Yeah. And my mother didn't let anybody fuck with me. And also, even though she was terrified because, you know, I opened my mouth and a purse fell out, she also just was like, we just had a special bond. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that with my mom. You had that with your mom too. No, my I was my mom's least favorite. Yeah. Well, that's our show. <laughs> uh <laughs> Here on uh, here on, I Think Not, just opening up old wounds.
0: Yeah. Well, moms and sons have a different... No, I was very close to my mom, but my mom... Joe is the baby. Right. My mom loved clinging on to him. And John was... John needed a lot of help through life. Uh-huh. Like, I could survive in the wild. Like, to this day, my mom's like, can someone go pick up John from the train? I'm like, he has it, the Uber app, Mom. <laughs> like, you know, so yeah. it's... Yeah, I get it. But anyway.
4: As a stay-at-home mom, Carol devotes much of her time to Chris, and understands him better than anyone. But when his outgoing mother can't be by his side, Chris seems to retreat into his own private world.
2: When I would visit uh, Jim and Carol, I often didn't see Chris.
0: Chris's mom was really outgoing and sort of like pushed Chris outside of his comfort zone. But then when she wasn't around, he was like shy. Like he liked video games and he was just like a bit of an introvert.
1: Yeah, it wasn't the most social person. So Chris, in his senior year of high school, he's trying to decide where to go to college, and we learned that Chris was brilliant. Where did you go to college? Uh, me? Yeah. Uh, uh, I I went to the University of um hard knocks for homosexuals. Oh, they have a You guys, he's looking up into the corner of the booth like the answer is up there. And I studied homosexual gatherings in the household dimly lit with no children.
0: Oh, okay. Sounds it's sounds
1: specific. specific.
0: How, how much is the tuition for that?
1: It
4: was free. Okay. <laughs> Luckily for Chris, he's got plenty of great options.
3: Chris was a genius. He was brilliant. He was one of the most intelligent people that I ever taught in 25 years.
0: Also, luckily for Chris, he was very smart. He was, like, beyond smart. He was, like, a genius. They threw around that word.
1: Yeah, he maintained a perfect GPA. He was already taking college courses at the local university.
0: He was smart. And I don't mean, like, he memorized the vocabulary words in the carpool on the way to school. Smart. I mean, like, smart, smart. Chris's favorite subject, your favorite and mine. Say it with me. Races. (laughs) I'm kidding. His favorite subject was, say it with me, choir. <laughs> I'm kidding. He was really good at math. What in the goodwill hunting is happening with all these people bringing math to he us? He took
1: college level calculus three, one of two people taking that in high school. I took a Dodge the Youth Group for a Marlboro Light college level course. I was quite good at it. Uh- <laughs>
0: Listen, I know we have talked about this and how traumatizing math is for both of us, but you do have to like look at the statistics because 75% of the people on this earth yeah. are actually good at math, and then there's the 13% of us, you know? <laughs> I know math good, so what happened? <laughs>
1: that was good, Ellen. I appreciate that. Well, you did good. You did, you're doing the Lord's work out here. When he'd get into his question
3: mode, they would sort of roll their eyes. I think that Chris was so intelligent that his mind was always going, and he found it difficult to actually be aware of other people. It was more like he was in his own little world.
0: So they basically said he was so intelligent, he would think beyond what was being taught. You know what I mean? So if if they would say A squared plus B squared equals C squared, he would say, yeah, but what happens if this and this and that? And he was doing it almost for his own benefit. And sometimes it wouldn't go over well with the other students because he would sort of go off on a tangent. Yeah.
1: Well, it's like us when we're getting notes as actors, when we're getting notes and there's always those two people who have to speak up and go on and on. And you're like, are you just gonna jerk off on all on all of us? Yeah.
0: So, I, but he's not doing that. Yeah.
1: Chris wasn't doing that. He was. This was like, this is my time. Like, I love this. So
0: the teacher, Mickey, who's here, who's one of the talking heads, who's tragically uplit. Yeah. She was so lovely and patient, and like recognized that his brain was above average, but also could like read the room and could often tell that he was sort of going off on a tangent and was like, let's have this conversation after class. But didn't she seem like the loveliest person ever?
1: She was lovely. You know, Wanda Sykes in one of her stand-ups talks about, she's like, you know, there are people who work for NASA. They're so fucking smart, they're useless. Yeah. They're absolutely <laughs> yeah. useless. So now the government just funds NASA to be like, just, you're too smart. You, you're useless. Just look up. Fucking look up. Yeah. <laughs> and They yeah. just stare at the they stare at the sky all day. <laughs> I
0: could have that job with a little bit of weed. <laughs> So he doesn't really fit in with the kids in college because he's 17. But he's also in high school and doesn't really fit in the kids in high school. And he's a little awkward. I mean, we've all been there before. The good thing about me is when things get awkward, I never harp on it. Oh, no. You know what I mean? I just, I don't wake up in the middle of the night and think about something that I did in 2005. I let everything roll off
1: my back. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's true. When I, when I saw Frozen and heard her sing Let It Go, I was like, you know who can let it go? Ellen. Yeah. She's so good at it. Yeah. She's really good I'm at like it. I'm
0: like a baby sea otter. <laughs> Just floats off my back. Ah. I kid. Of course Ooh. not. Do um, we have
1: that? Steve, do we have that code for better help? <laughs>
4: <laughs> with no close friends his own age, Chris's relationship with his mom continues to be the most important in his life.
2: God. That says, congratulations, it is my pleasure to offer you admission to Colorado State
4: University.
1: As a result of his social anxiety and issues having, you know, friends that were his age, he just got really close to his mother. He
0: didn't have great social skills. Everyone kind of said that. He had some trouble reading social cues and... And we've all been awkward in situations that we're like, ah, you know, yeah. we've all been there before, but also that's cyclical. You know, when you, something happens and something weird happens and you're like, God, I hope I don't do that again. And then you get self-conscious and then you get anxiety on top of that and everything Starts to pile up. Yeah. And, but he always had Mama Carol there.
1: She was the most important person in Chris's life. Yeah. And also because again, she got him. Yeah. He felt seen by her. And so Chris was accepted into a highly competitive first of all, he had his choice of schools. Yeah. But he was accepted into a highly competitive engineering school at Colorado State. And he was so excited, but you know who was more excited for him? Yeah.
4: Mama Carol.
0: Yeah. And he loved to make her proud. Yeah.
4: Then, in the spring of 2005, as Chris is about to graduate from high school, his world is suddenly turned upside down.
3: Honey, um, you know, I had that doctor's appointment today, and um, I've got breast cancer.
0: Oh, it's just, first of all, the cancer was very aggressive. Yes. And there's just this thing, I'm not going to be able to put it into words, but I know everyone's going to understand. You just think your parents are invincible.
1: I was just about to say it. They'll always be around.
0: Oh, nothing's going to happen to my parents. I mean, we've talked about this, how the difference is in our dad's dying. Your dad died abruptly. My dad died very, you know, a year and a half battling cancer. and. Man, watching your parents age and get old and possibly get sick. I'm not articulating it well, but I, I can feel you all nodding in the ether. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, your parents aren't supposed to get sick.
1: Yeah, it's weird. I mean, even when I went home for Christmas, my siblings and I talked about like, I just keep expecting him to walk out of the room. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's just a strange phenomenon. And yes.
0: Now he's upset. And of course, the motherly thing of all motherly things, she's comforting him. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. But she got sick really, really fast.
1: Yeah. And Chris, you know, that summer as she was, her health was declining, Chris didn't leave her side. Yeah. And he was going to cancel his college plans because he's like, I'm not leaving you. And Mama Carol was like, promise me you will go to school. Yep, It is important that you go to school and do this. It's what you've dreamed of. You've worked so hard for this. Go. Promise me you'll go. And he did. And he started his freshman year at Colorado State. And Chris started making friends. Yeah. With the guys in the local church club, and he ended up moving in with them. And what do people in a local church club do? What do they do? They're like, you know our theme song is? Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an
0: awesome God. Oh, oh. Do you know that song? I do, but the we were more. And he will raise oh. you up. On eagle's wings bear <laughs> you on the. That's an that's an abnormal. You don't need that note didn't need to go there. The breath of dawn yeah. make you to shine like the sun.
1: Yes, and then you'd sing "Man in the Mirror." Oh, that was that was my solo.
0: First of all, I didn't know he was religious. That's the first time that I was like, is he not even religious? But I don't he, know. We like didn't say. Because he just wanted to get in with someone. But, you know, that is where people find their footing in college. That's where you meet Maybe your, that's why I
1: never found my footing. I mean,
0: no, but it's true because <laughs> you experience going out on your own. You live together. You drink together. You get chlamydia together. You do all of those things- their milestones. I was in kappa, uh,
1: kappa Gamma Gonorrhea.
0: Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Listen, it happens to the best of us.
1: Honey, why do we have chlamydia? <laughs> that, you get me. A, when you say that, it gets me every time. <laughs>
0: hey, I don't mean to bother you. It's just we're in a committed relationship. Or so I thought. Does it burn when you pee? Samesies. That's chlamydia.
4: What then? The day both Jim and Chris have been dreading for the last year arrives. Chris, it's me. His mom, the person who knew and loved him most, is gone. Chris's mind reels with pain and confusion.
0: Chris is at college and he's just about to start midterms. And again, he's enjoying himself and the worst possible scenario.
1: Sadly, he gets a phone call from his dad, Jim, and he says, Your mom has passed. And he is distraught. You know, that phone call is the one that nobody wants. I, I remember I was walking into Nick's apartment for date night. My sister called me and said, Dad had a massive heart attack. It's not looking good. You need to get on a plane. And I was like, It'll be fine. It's fine. And then my mom called me literally three minutes later and said, He's gone. So crazy. It is a call that you do not want. And I looked at Nick and I said, Maybe we should go to dinner. We should have dinner. And he looked at me like, we're not. We're not going to dinner, honey. Yeah. And it took me an hour for it to dawn on me, and I lost my mind. Yeah. And the same thing happened with Chris. It it went on for a while because it was time for the funeral, and he's like, I I, I have stuff to do with school. I can't go because he was still in denial about it, and he couldn't face it. Mm-hmm. And also to spend the summer with your mom in that way, and then for her to be like, you're going to school, go, and then to just be gone for a couple months, and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. It's just life's so unfair sometimes.
0: Yeah, they're so. So many unfair things that happen. Just going back to that story that you just told. First like of all- Like the
1: revival of Godspell.
0: Thank you for sharing. Godspell should have never happened ever. Not only the revival, <laughs> this is information that you know. I just want to go back to that story because the main thing, the my main takeaway was that Nick calls you honey.
4: <laughs> While Chris struggles to cope at school, his father, Jim, tries to immerse himself in his teaching job at Casper College even if friends can see his pain as a widower.
3: It's very heartbreaking. Jim loved Carol very, very much.
0: So Jim is still teaching at Casper College, the college that he taught at in Wyoming, and he's grieving and trying to cope in his own way. A couple of months pass, and Chris finally comes home. He comes home yeah. for Christmas, was the first time he came home. He goes home and he goes to breakfast with his dad because he has like this like breakfast club, which is super cute. With his colleagues at the college, and Chris went with him.
1: Yeah, and he was having a hard time being social. He always had some social anxiety, but after his mother passed... He didn't want to be around anybody.
0: Even Mickey noticed, though. Mickey was like, I mean, he's not usually the most talkative person, but he was really finding it hard to connect with anybody at that time. It was a different... Of course it was. It was his mother. It was his favorite person in the whole world, and she's gone. And he already was struggling socially. And
1: then you add your emotions and your grief on top of that. Everybody processes grief differently. But the other problem is some people don't process it at all. Yep. And that is a problem. And so... At this very same breakfast, you know, Dad Jim was lonely. Yeah. It's been a couple months.
0: It he was lonely and this is going to sound like a generalization, but I really do stand by it.
1: Gay people don't deserve rights.
0: Oh god, thank you for saying it and I didn't have to say it. Thank you so much. <laughs> it just takes the pressure off cuz you are a gay. Oh my yeah, god. Thank do you, feel you everybody. Yeah. Uh this cancellation is brought to you by <laughs> The letters F and the letters U. Thank you. <laughs> Cut it out. Fuck you! Ah, no. yeah. of here. <laughs> no, but there is a generation of men, and this is this is not a men are dumb comment. It's really, really not. And I know this from firsthand experience. Men of like our parents' generation who lost their wives at like forty or fifty. A lot of my friends in that situation, their dads got remarried real, real fast. Yeah. In that generation, some men did not know how to be alone. So it's just to say that, like, I, I kind of get it. He was floundering. He was struggling. He was lonely. He kept asking people to do things all the time. Yeah. And Mickey was like, I mean, we have stuff to do, Jim. But he was like, you know, let's go to lunch. Let's go golfing. Let's do this. So on this particular day that they're at their breakfast club, that just is funny. That's just a funny way to breakfast club. <laughs> um, which,
1: Don't you
0: well what's so funny is when I was a kid I thought Emilio Estevez was the hot one and I remember my older cousin saying Judd Nelson was the hot one and I was like no he's not now I'm like oh I would fuck up a 25 year old Judd Nelson no thank you oh he's so fucking hot none of them
1: none of them Judd
0: Nelson back. no Uh, he would ask at
3: breakfast club if anybody would go sailing with him and most of us had other things to do most of the time
4: who wants to go sailing does anybody here like sailing oh really I do
3: hey see you have a boat
4: Yeah, I do.
3: Sorry, I would love to go sailing.
4: An attractive math professor, 35-year-old Heidi Arnold, takes him up on his offer.
0: So one day at this breakfast club, he's like, does anyone want to go sailing? And this math professor named Heidi was like, wait, do you have a boat? And I was like, Heidi, we're best friends. (laughs) That actually, now that I say that out loud, is going to be my first question moving forward. It's not... What do you do? It's not where you're from. It's not who did you vote for. It's going to be like, hey, I'm out. Do you vote?
1: <laughs> and over the next few months, a romance sparked between Dad Jim and Heidi. Her last name was Arnold. And good for them. But don't date coworkers, y'all. Yeah. Don't date coworkers because when Mike in accounting asks you if you want to try out the rusty trombone on him, things at the copy machine are going to get weird.
0: Yeah. It just does. Take it from us. Someone's going to be like, I married my husband works in HR. I'm like, okay, Deborah. (laughs) I'm glad that worked out for you.
4: Six months after Carol's death, Heidi moves in with Jim. The speed with which his father seems to have moved on doesn't sit well with Chris.
3: He was angry about his mother dying, about Heidi moving in with his dad. I just hope Chris can see how happy we
0: are. So it's six months after Carol died. I feel a little weird about this. It's not my place to judge, and it's not my place to weigh in on people's lives, but go ahead and say what happened.
1: They moved in together, and obviously Chris had a visceral reaction to this. Because listen, my dad has been gone now for over six months. If my mother told me that there was a man moving into our house, I would be like, over my dead body.
0: I see both sides. Because I agree, because at the same time, Chris is a grown man. Jim needs to move on with his life. In whatever way that
1: works for him and his heart and his life moving forward. I mean, we never know what happens behind closed doors yeah. with two people. People can connect in a real way. I mean, as somebody who has had judgment placed on my relationship, I try really hard to not judge other people for their relationships. Listen, However, I don't judge
0: you on your relationship. I judge you on your stinky attitude. And that's You think
1: it. I have a stinky attitude? Yeah. You think I have a stinky attitude?
0: I'm sorry. Whenever you double ask a question, I know your baby little Louisiana brain is turning. What? What? What are you gonna? What little thing are you gonna say to me? I'm not gonna say
1: nothing to you. You're with your baby little shit brown Oakland eyes. You rolling. Look at you.
0: It's not working. You lost your touch. Ah. Yeah. Freshman year is over. Chris comes home to Casper. Heidi is there. So is the resentment. That resentment is is palpable. Summer happens. Everyone kind of keeps to themselves. They barely get through it.
1: I mean, and the thing is, is that Heidi knew what she was dealing with. Heidi knew, I mean, she had to know and she did try very hard and Chris is not easy. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of unprocessed
0: trauma, grief. It has to be said he didn't seek therapy while he was gone. He didn't have any closure because he didn't go to the funeral Plus, he has all of these other challenges that are stacked against him at this point.
1: And I want to say, if you do experience a great loss in your life, whether it's, you know, a close family member, a close friend, even if it's a pet, get counseling. Yeah. It it is there and it works and it will help you process your, your feelings in a healthy way and in a way that you can honor that person who is no longer with you. But, you know, not everybody has the resources. You know, there's a lot of stigma surrounding it as well.
0: Absolutely. But I just
1: want to say from your friend Joey, who has experienced loss this year, and from your friend Ellen, who has also experienced loss, do yourself a favor and get counseling if you need it. Yeah.
4: When Chris returns to Colorado for his sophomore year, his increasing turmoil makes him more introverted, more withdrawn from the world.
0: So Chris goes back for his sophomore year. Not as outgoing as he was, no. not as into his friends as he was. He also had like a tick of sorts where he started to scratch yeah. compulsively. And also he kept every time he was with people, he kept diverting the conversation back to engineering. He yeah. was a, what do you call it? Like a conversation vampire? What do you call it? Hijacker. When, hijacker. That's it. Yeah. And his roommates are confused, and quite frankly, like, they just don't want to deal. And so they kind of, they don't feel comfortable around him. They start to pull away. So all of these issues are just stacking up. He was avoiding things. He was avoiding his feelings. He was avoiding his father and and his new wife. And his resentment. Yeah.
1: So he started to retreat even deeper. His church friends, like the church group friends that he had made, they were his only friends. Yeah. And so he started, once he started to lose them, he really retreated deeper into his solitude. And lead detective Wes Goodall is here, and he says, Chris couldn't deal with everyday problems, like, Mm -hmm. even if it was minor. For example, he had an odd noise coming from his car engine, and instead of, like, maybe going to get it checked out or changing the oil, he started driving around with earplugs in his ears, which is very dangerous. Yeah.
0: Well, to avoid the sound. If I don't hear the sound, the problem isn't there. Yeah. If I don't think about my feelings, the feelings aren't there. So you all remember when, back when I told you the story about Elsa Dittmer and how she got all the girls in my class to leave me on the middle of the blacktop in the middle of lunch. They said one, two, three, and they all got up and left me. Remember that story? Times that by a thousand. Because one day Chris comes home and all of his roommates, all of his church friends
1: had moved. And didn't tell him.
0: I, That's so fucking mean left him there. That is, I hate difficult conversations. I hate it. We all hate it. No one's like, you know what I want to do today? I want to have a difficult conversation with fucking James from HR. No, no one wants to have difficult conversations. But being a functioning member of society and being an actual human being, you got to have these conversations and be like, man, I, I hope you're okay. We can't live here anymore. No, they just fucking up and left. They fucking Von trapped out of there. The hills were alive, honey, with the sound of engineering. They were like, hi on a hill was a lonely <laughs> goat. No, none of it. They ran for the hills. Well, they missed
1: that Bible study where they studied First Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 25, where it says, don't be a dick and talk yeah. to your roommate before you move out. It is so cruel and it would leave anybody yeah. feeling humiliated. Humiliated. But also just stupid. Yeah. I would feel stupid. I mean, he lost his mother and yeah. now his friends. So he's spiraling. Yeah. And somehow, though, this dude, he focused all of his energy on school. Mm-hmm. So he ended up graduating from college. He got his bachelor's and his master's in four years. Yeah. That is wild.
0: I have a master's.
1: When what? From Silly Hall. <laughs>
4: Graduating with a bachelor's and a master's in just four years, Chris moves back home to Casper, Wyoming in 2009 to look for a job. But instead of dealing with his anger about his father's relationship with Heidi, Chris's bottled up emotions are channeled into obsessive behaviors.
1: So after that, after he graduates, he moves back home with dad, Jim, and girlfriend, Heidi, so he can start looking for a job.
0: Mm-hmm. And he has adopted these obsessive behaviors, more obsessive behaviors. Like, he would read the page of a book, like, six or seven times. Yeah. Which I do that, but only because I didn't read it the first five, four, three, two, one times. So yeah, thought, that sounds right. Yeah, so... And remember that scratching he was doing? Well, that just got worse. And there was some kind of disconnect because he didn't know he was doing it or maybe he did. I don't know. And he never liked Heidi. And he still doesn't like Heidi. This is four years in. And she knew that. And everybody who knew her didn't understand that because they loved her. She was a perfectly lovely person.
1: And I don't think people who weren't super close to Chris understood because they always thought of Chris as a sweet guy. Yeah. But... Chris was obviously brilliant, but he struggled with day-to-day routines. Mm-hmm. And she noticed this, and she went to Dad Jim and was like, "Are you seeing this?" Mm-hmm. I'm worried. Yeah, and it's at this point, it's been a, a long time. I've done everything I can to try to make this right, but like, I'm uncomfortable in my own home, and I shouldn't have to be. Yeah,
4: after a few months of the tense living arrangement, things finally start looking up later that year when Chris lands a position back in Colorado. As an engineer for one of the top electric companies in the West.
0: Chris lands a job back in Colorado. A really, really great job, actually. Everyone is excited for him. Chris is really excited. So he heads back to Colorado and he's feeling good. And he starts his job and then he slips back into his social issues. You know, now he's an adult. And making friends as an adult is fucking hard. You know, because when you're a kid, you have your college friends, you have your high school friends. Us, it's different because we're constantly meeting new people. Yeah. But how do you go up to someone and be like, hey, do you want to be friends?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> shit's I... hard. Because when
0: you're a kid, you'll be like, want to come over? Yeah. But you know, we are we have our walls up, we have our trauma up. We have it's hard making friends in his adult. and Chris already is not good at that. Yeah. He already is lacking those social skills. So again, it's all fucking piling up. It gets harder as you get older. Honestly, that's one of the things that fucking warms my heart in like the Facebook group when people are like, is anyone in Milwaukee, yeah. Who wants to? Who likes bowling? Yeah. Because I would. Yeah. How How else are you going to make it, it? It's It's nice. Joey and I live in a world where we're constantly around fucking weirdos, yep. just like us. And we meet different people all the time because we're always doing different projects. It's very, very different.
1: It's a skill that we have to hone because we have to use it whether we like it or not at all the time.
0: Right. We're and always with different people. Yeah.
1: And I mean, listen. I joke a lot about you know, meeting people and you know, whatever. But one of the my favorite things in New York City is, is just how diverse it is. And there's people from all kinds of backgrounds, culturally and, and ethnically. And there's so much to learn and experience with people. I really, I do enjoy that and, and being like, all right, Talk to me about your life, you know, and learning things about.
0: Sure, but also recognizing that the way that you are able to do that, you are you are actually in a minority there. Yeah. Most people do not have those skills. Most people, social anxiety is is very, very common. Well, you know where
1: I learned that? Because huh. I grew up in church, yeah. and I was forced to talk to everyone, yeah. even if I didn't want to. I had to talk to Miss Barbara with her, you know, one-eyed cat, Winky, you know, <laughs> talking about, well, Winky ain't doing so good this week winky has just stepped on the the, the, the mousetrap and i'm like i don't care about <laughs> no. your cat winky uh. um, anyway i also think about people who live in small towns mm. a lot for all our small town listeners hey yeah. that's even harder because when everybody knows each other and is in everybody's business oh man that is not easy yeah so you know if you're rocking it in a small town and struggling i'm sending you lots of good vibes
0: what uh, what can they do with good vibes Take that to the bank? Or...
1: What am I supposed to say? I'm praying for you? Yes. I don't pray.
2: <laughs> at some point in time, he starts saying, why is it people don't like me? Why is it that people don't want to be around me? How come they don't want to be my friends? What am I doing wrong?
0: He's just sort of thrust back into these feelings of inadequacy, and he starts to internalize that struggle. Now he's like, okay, it wasn't high school kids. Is it me? And he's just struggling. So now he's doing good work at his work stuff, But the small in-between menial tasks is what he has trouble focusing on. He had the kind of
3: mind that wants to focus on something that catches their interest and kind of ignore everything else. And most of us at work know that there are times in any job where you're asked to do things that you might not
0: be interested in. So obviously I'm not going to diagnose this person, but I have ADHD and that is a struggle with anybody who's neurodivergent is the things that aren't so fun, that don't spike your dopamine, that you don't love, that you still have to do. Yeah. And that is part of being a grown up. And I struggle with that. This is going to sound so, so dumb. And I feel like only somebody who really understands a neurodivergent brain can empathize with me. It was really hard for me to pack my house. Mm. It was really, really hard. I believe hard. it. I believe I it. I was struggling with my my distraction levels. I was struggling with my motivation levels. I really was, and then I was getting angry at myself. I know that sounds really dumb, but it Doesn't was something I didn't want to do. Yeah. So it's like it's just doing those tasks are very challenging, and and those challenges cause anxiety. Yeah, you know?
1: absolutely. And also, you were doing a lot of that by yourself. Yeah, that's not easy. So I totally understand. And so it actually became a noticeable problem so much so that he got let go from his job yeah. because they were like, I'm I'm sorry. I don't, I, you know, you're very smart. I don't want to do this, but like you're not getting the things done that we need you to do.
0: Yeah. And Dr. Stephen Brown, who is a psychiatrist, who wasn't Chris's psychiatrist, but was a psychiatrist, says he says something that really like rocked me that's a very basic idea but makes so much sense he basically said just because you're smart doesn't mean you will succeed in a work environment yeah work is so much more than knowing the thing you're there to know it is so many things. It's communication. It's working with people. It's give and take. It's writing skills. You know, e- it's, it's so many other things other than the thing.
1: It takes many skills and it's also you're managing a lot. Yeah. And also, you know, the importance of social relationships and being a good communicator. It's very important. Yeah. I mean, it is very important. And so, and Chris, that just wasn't a skill that he ever honed
0: the skill that he did have was his intelligence. Yeah. So him getting fired, he was humiliated.
1: Humiliated. And also he went on to other jobs that ended the same way. So Chris ends up going back home and dad, Jim is really understandably very worried about him. And he tries desperately to help him with his social skills. And, you know, one day dad, Jim approaches Chris and says, maybe it's time for you to have a psychological evaluation. Mm -hmm. And, he also suggests that perhaps he has Asperger's. Now, Asperger's is an antiquated term that we don't use anymore. Now those same symptoms fall under the autism spectrum disorder. And so that is now uh, how we refer to it. And also you told me a story about
0: Hans Asperger. Yeah, can
1: you tell that story? Because you just, yeah, what?
0: He was a pediatrician in Vienna, and he was the first person to recognize these behaviors in children, kids that struggled to fit in socially, but also noticed how superior their cognitive abilities were, yeah. or their linguistic abilities, yeah. how brilliant they were. And then a British psychiatrist by the name of Lorna Wing was the name who named the syndrome after him in like 1981. But then it turned out he was a notch.
1: Yeah, Asperger's, you you can joke. Yeah. Rotten hell.
0: But they do say Asperger's several times, and we do understand that the term has been considered offensive to many, many people on the autism spectrum. And so they do say that, and we are aware that that's just not a a term we use anywhere. It's antiquated.
2: Yeah. When Jim spoke to Chris about the Asperger's issue that gave Chris a focal point to fixate on, he then determined in his own mind that that was the issue that he had.
4: Without ever consulting a doctor... Chris concludes the syndrome is the reason for his failures.
2: So
1: once that conversation happens, Chris took it very personally. He was very upset. He was offended by the suggestion that something may be wrong with him. But more than that, he was very embarrassed. And I think Chris was overwhelmed by all of it, you know? His inability to keep his job, given his high intelligence, his lack of social skills and relationships, the loss of his mother, his dad's new girlfriend, and now you're going to tell me this? Mm -hmm. I think it's just more than he could process.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so Chris is really hung up on the, do you think something is wrong with me? Yeah. How can you do that? But obviously, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. He didn't have a problem, but he... Blames it on his dad.
1: Yeah, he processed that very differently in the way that Dad Jim meant it because Dad knows. He's like, You are struggling. I want to. It is very hard to see someone you love Mm -hmm. so much struggling. And, you know, sadly, Chris fell into a really deep depression and then he just cut off all communication with Dad Jim.
0: Yeah. So now he's alone in Colorado. He's still grief-stricken. He's confused. He does things like he'll hear the alarm battery chirping and it bothers him so much. Do little sounds bother you?
1: First of all, the sound of a, a battery needing to be changed and that chirping coming from a smoke detector, it will keep you up all night.
0: Oh, yeah. But again, it was like with the car. He didn't go and try and find the root cause of the problem. He just masked the problem. He moved into the living room. He just didn't sleep in his bedroom. So people are like, it's just the smoke alarm, Chris. Just change the batteries. He didn't have those tools. Yeah. He
1: couldn't bring himself to handle those, you know, those sort of small things that you run into.
0: Right. Now, something that he's fixating on is this whole idea that he's neurodivergent. It consumes him. So he starts looking on the Internet. And he agrees actually with the assessment and he resonates with all of the symptoms and he's like, oh my God, this is why things are going so poorly and this is why I've had trouble making friends. But he doesn't see a doctor, he just diagnoses himself. Yeah. Which I've done many times. (laughs) How many times can you say, weird itchy rash? (laughs) I'm kidding!
2: (laughs) The real difficulty is You may end up looking at only one thing and not looking at a combination of disorders that may explain it more clearly. That's the real risk.
4: In fact, Chris's family believes his extreme behavior is likely the result of something other than Asperger's. They urge him to see a doctor.
1: Here's the other thing that you have to account for. There can be several issues that when layered with autism can create larger problems, but you can't self-diagnose those issues. And inevitably they become life-consuming if they go untreated.
0: Yeah. And and he's looking all of this. I mean, there's a reason doctors hate WebMD. Sure. Because you, you, you're like, beep-bop-boop-bop, bop, bop, oh, cancer. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah.
1: And his family is begging him at this point, begging him to see a doctor. And he
0: refuses. And unfortunately, he doesn't have a job. He's out of money. He's been out in Colorado for two years on his own. And he has to move back to Wyoming with his dad.
1: And we don't know if he and Heidi ever got married. They never said that. Right. But she's still living there. And Chris is still seething Mm -hmm. over the fact, in his eyes, his dad brought Heidi in to replace his mom.
0: And also, even though he agrees with his neurodivergent diagnosis, he's so mad. Yeah. Like, he's still mad that his dad pointed it out. He just harbors resentment. I mean, I think it, it stems from the Heidi resentment, and this is just one other thing. Yeah. It was really difficult to be in that
1: house. Yeah. And also, Chris really started to direct all of his anger at Heidi. Yeah. And Heidi said that sometimes Chris would stare at her with, Sheer hatred in his eyes. This situation is unfortunate all the way around. I don't know how anybody could live with someone in their home and feel discomfort all of the time. Hmm. And feel...
0: You've never had a teenager just sitting and staring and analyzing every stupid thing you do. Fair enough. I'm like, I fucking made you, kid. Let I me tell made you. the thoughts in your head. <laughs>
1: I know that people do it. And I know that sometimes people are forced to do it. My comment is, is like, I just don't know how. That would be very difficult. So I empathize with Heidi, you know. And one day Heidi spoke with family friend Mickey, who was one of Chris's teachers, about her concerns. And Heidi had become basically afraid of Chris. You don't deserve to be afraid in your own home. And friend Mickey, she was like, I couldn't believe it. Mickey said, Chris, I don't think he would hurt anybody.
0: And she kind of even was like, I think you're overreacting, Heidi. She just couldn't see it. She couldn't see beyond sweet Chris.
4: Then, in early 2011, it looks as if Heidi will finally be able to set aside her anxiety over what she sees as Chris's menacing behavior when he decides to pack up and try for a fresh start far away from his old problems.
2: He moved east to Connecticut. Chris was running away from Jim, moving to another part of the United States,
0: So now we're in early 2011, and Chris decides, you know what? He wants a new start, and Heidi's like, phew. Yeah. Because Chris decides he's going to move to East Connecticut. Not sure why there, but great. And he takes a job as an electrical lineman, which is something that's kind of a very easy job for him. It doesn't involve... His brain at all, but it also doesn't involve interacting with people, and that was enticing to him.
1: Well, I I don't think being a lineman is easy, but right, he's not... Not using his gifts. His engineering mind, right. But sadly, it all caught up with him, and he was fired from that job after only three months, followed by a series of jobs that ended in his termination as well.
0: I guess you can empathize with, because you get fired from so many things, Mm -hmm. including call centers, Uh The Gap... Don't forget the the the
1: bookstore.
0: (laughs) Don't forget the gospel bookstore. Okay. And then this podcast.
1: Yeah. Who are you going to do this podcast with? Huh? Who are you going to do this
2: podcast with?
0: What podcast? What? Hold on one second. Someone's calling. Hey, Bob Ruff. Just on the
2: phone. Call you back. One of the symptoms of depression is hopelessness. And that hopelessness can become so extreme that you feel like, there is nothing that possibly can get better in this world.
0: Now, Chris is massively depressed. Yes. And people are legitimately worried about his health and safety. He was hopeless.
1: Yeah. I mean, truly, the man fell into despair. And by 2012, Dad Jim is determined to help Chris get better, but he doesn't even have Chris's address. Yeah. And it doesn't help that Chris is still refusing to speak to him. So
0: he's isolated. He's still fixating on his neurodivergency. He felt like his dad was responsible. He felt like his dad had carried this gene that gave him this horrible diagnosis of his neurodivergency. Listen, as somebody on the neurodivergent spectrum, I get it. It can be a fucking bitch, but it's it's also a superpower. Like he was just looking at, this is the reason why he's he's so brilliant. So he writes this email to his family demanding an apology for these awful genes that caused him to have this issue with his brain and his social
1: skills. And it's really sad because I think he has at this point so much... Pint up frustration and grief. I don't think he ever properly mourned the loss of his mother. Yeah. I don't think he had necessarily the tools he needed to do that. And he laser focused on his dad and he told the family like he should not have been allowed to procreate. Yep. So, you know, that's the other thing is, is that he had become so extreme that he also had become somewhat
4: delusional. In November 2012 Chris packs up his car with a compound bow and arrow and two hunting knives he drives over 30 hours to Casper, Wyoming
0: so he gets to the house and Jim isn't home Jim's left for work and Chris enters through the basement
1: and Heidi is asleep but she wakes up because she hears the glass break so she gets up to find Chris standing in the hall with a knife and he chases Heidi out of the house she runs makes it to the curve but Chris catches her and he sadly ends up stabbing her to death 18 times. 18 times. That is absolute rage. Absolutely.
0: And then he drives to Casper College where his dad's teaching and he goes in the building and he's carrying that bow and arrow
1: under a blanket. Under
0: a blanket. Went into the room that his dad was teaching.
1: A seminar.
0: Yeah. And held this bow and arrow right in front of his class. And it was saying all these things like, I need to cleanse our genes. And poor Jim is confused, frightened, scared for his students.
1: And so eventually Chris lets go of that arrow and it hits his father in the head. And then he takes his knife and stabs him repeatedly until he sadly passes. Then he turns the knife around on himself And it's a very gruesome scene. Yeah. And meanwhile, all these students are running out of the classroom. They have no idea. And it's the morning. Like, I I can't even imagine. Yeah.
0: I, I read some of the articles about it. And Jim was actually, like, trying to hold him off and get the students out. Like, he was like, go, 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 run. And he was trying to get them out because he knew that Chris was unpredictable. Yeah. You know? So we see the news footage and everyone's just saying how brilliant he was and how it rocked the community and no one expected it. How do you ever recover from something like that? Yeah. Three family members that that is profound loss for that family in such a violent and confusing way. And of course, we're not victim blaming, but I can't help but think that there would have been so many other things that could maybe have helped him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all just doing our best.
1: The truth is we'll never know what the issues were because, you know, emotionally, mentally, or physically, because Chris passed before they would know. And I don't even know if we said that, but he died shortly after from his self-inflicted wounds. Clearly, Chris was struggling. He was struggling alone. Isolation is very difficult for anyone who is dealing with these types of issues. But what I want to say is, is that please know that asking for help when you need it does not make you weak or dumb. It doesn't have to be embarrassing. You can lead a very healthy, love-filled, successful life. You deserve that. We all deserve that. But just know that we all need help from time to time. And the most well-adjusted people know when they need help and when to ask for it. Mm-hmm. Ask for help if you need it. I agree. Say something funny. All right. This is a little bit of a story. Oh, God. Hurry Okay. Up. So, cancer is never funny. Okay? My grandfather had a girlfriend that was much younger than him when he was like 80. And... He was having some dick issues. And so he went to the doctor and he was like, I want a hydraulic dick. And the doctor said, "Okay, well, we're going to have to run some tests on you and see if you are, you know, if you can have surgery. So he goes back in for his test results. And the doctor says, I have bad news. You have stage four colon cancer. And my grandfather went, oh, all right. What about my dick? (laughs) And the doctor said, sir. You, you don't have a long time to live. <gasps> you might have like six months. And he goes, then give me my hydraulic dick so I can fuck my girlfriend. Oh my god. He lived for another six years. Oh, with,
0: with a good dick, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, hydraulic hi- dick, ladies hi- and gentlemen. Hi- Welcome to the stage. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on I think not you can follow us on our new socials the I think not pod on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok I think not pod yeah. our Facebook is the same yep. you can search I think not pod discussion Facebook group or something we're there it's a fucking blast <laughs> you can follow Joey
1: at where Joey at it's Joey Taranto on Instagram
0: is that all you want to say
1: Oh, yeah. I deleted my Twitter.
0: Oh, okay. And you can follow me at Ellen Marsh on all platforms. Remember, I spelled my name with a Y. We will be back next week with an all-new episode. We can't wait. And Andrew Tate got arrested today. Yay! Yay!
1: We love you, down bitches. We love you, and I love you, too, Ellen Love you, Marsh. Joey. Bye. Love you. Bye. I will never understand. People are like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go visit my family for two weeks. That sounds like a great plan. Are you kidding me? How did everything go with the two bathrooms? It was a lot. It's a lot. Oh, and here's the other thing. My mom was like, oh, you can sleep in my room. We have it all set up. You'll have your own room. It's nice and dark in there. You'll be great. Yeah, let me tell you something. She's got the bathroom in her room that everyone showers in. So they all came busting through like the Kool-Aid man at 7 (laughs) a.m. Yeah, they'd come busting in like, oh, yeah. At 7 a.m. because they're all morning people. Yeah. Oh. Joey, you sleep so late. You don't fucking pay my bills. Shut up, Aunt Debbie. <laughs> Aunt Debbie, you wake up too early. So no. how about that? Aunt Debbie, you think Marjorie Taylor Green is smart and you date gay men. Get out of here. Does Aunt Debbie date gay men? Well, I pray, Milan. You'll be on my prayer list
0: the day I die. You did come to my mind. <laughs> I got a master's
1: in the art of dingaling taming.
0: Oh, I God. can tame
1: any dingaling anytime anywhere. It's a gift from God.
0: Yeah. We're doing something at our live show, you guys. We're stealing this bit from SNL where Colin Jost and Michael Che write jokes for each other that they've never seen. Yeah. So at our live show, we're each going to write jokes and hand them over. We have to cold <laughs> read it. When I tell you every day I just sit on the train and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Can somebody Google the statistics on Louisiana education? <laughs> I Thank you. Um... <laughs> The Shit These Eyes Have Seen. I mean. That's going to be the title of my memoir. The Shit These Shit Brown Eyes Have Seen. (laughs) I don't know. Working title. Work on that.